Chapter 25 of Small Souls by Louis Couperus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Constance was happy. She began to realise more and more that she now had what she had missed for years, her family. She held it a privilege dearer every day that she was back in her own country, in Holland. It was as though she became more and more penetrated with the consciousness that she had found all her near ones again, that they had one and all forgiven her the past. And sometimes she imagined that it was not really twenty years since she went away. Those twenty years seemed to shrink. In her brothers and sisters she recognised by degrees all the peculiarities of former days, just as though they had grown no older, and Mamma had remained exactly the same. Nor could she but admire secretly the almost childlike simplicity of van der Velke, who moved about calmly in the midst of her relations, though they were all utter strangers to him, and though he, of course, could have no family feeling for any of them. He was most intimate with Paul, and oftenest in his company. Constance would have liked to see more of Bertha, but it was true, they lived at some distance from each other, and yet they found each other again, as sisters, in that conversation shortly after Emily's marriage. Constance, indeed, was surprised that an open-hearted talk such as this was not more often renewed between Bertha and herself, but in any case, they now felt as sisters. As for Carol and Cato, no, they remained distant and strangers, were hardly more intimate with her than if they had been remote acquaintances, but Reddit had conceived a sort of passion for Constance, and, inasmuch as she had shown so much tolerance towards Adolphine, the latter really seemed a little more gently disposed to her. For Adolphine, remembering all Constance's admiration and praise of Florcher's trousseau, had been heard to say, "'She's not so bad, Constance. Constance can be rather nice when she pleases.' It was summer now, and Constance felt happy. Bertha and her children went to Switzerland, where Van Nagel was to join them in August, and Adolphine went for a month to the Rhine. But Mamma remained at The Hague, and Constance was delighted to see her mother every day. They often drove out together, and they would leave the carriage in the Scheveningen woods, or in the Hague wood, and walk along the paths. And Mamma always talked about the children, or the grandchildren, or the two great-grandchildren, the children of Otto and Francis who had gone to Switzerland with the others. As Bertha was not at The Hague that summer, the old woman had transferred her partiality to Gerrit's children, thinking them nice because they were so young. And so she and Constance often went to Gerrit's and found him in the little morning room, ready to go out, in uniform, rattling his sword, clinking his spurs, fair-haired and heavy and strong in his tight uniform and varnished riding-boots, while two small girls and two small boys, all fair-haired, flaxen-haired, with soft pink cheeks, climbed over him where he sprawled in his big easy-chair. Gerdi and Adelecha and Alex and little Guy, while the eldest, Maricha, eight years old, lifted the little baby heavily in her arms, and a bigger baby crawled among the legs of the table and chairs in search of a broken doll. In the midst of this fair-haired medley, all the children delicately built like dolls, with their flaxen curls and their soft pink blushes, 
Gerrit was like a giant, looked still taller and stronger. His uniform filled the room as he moved. Romping with his children, he seemed able, with one movement, to send them all, Guy and Alex and Adalecha and Gerdi, who hung onto his arms and hands, tumbling over the floor to the terror of Grandmama, who thought him too rough. But Adeline was always very calm, herself also fair, softly smiling, she too, with her delicate little fair face, her figure already assuming the rather matronly proportions of a little wife who has many children, and who, although young, has lost all coquetry in regard to slenderness. She was simple and gentle, just a small, fair little woman, forever bearing children to her great, heavy husband, as a duty of which she did not think much, because Gerrit wished it. A nature of smiling resignation, always pleasant and calm, never excited or upset because of her turbulent little brood, and always calmly performing her motherly little duties. She was expecting her eighth in November, and there seemed to be always room in the small house for more and more turbulent, fair-haired children. Then, Mama Van Loa, who had come with Constance after lunch, would ask, Well, who's coming for a drive with Granny? And usually it was so arranged that, besides Adeline herself, some four fair-haired little ones were taken into the landau. Three of the children were crowded inside, and Alex went on the box, entrusted to the special care of the coachman. Then Mama Van Loer's face beamed with joy, while a long drive was taken through Vorburg, Vassenaar, or Vorschulten, and the children were regaled on milk if the opportunity offered or else they merely drove to Scheveningen, and Mrs. Van Loa made quite a stir at Berenbach's, everyone staring at the carriage out of which, besides the three ladies, came three little children, while Alex scrambled down from the box. The waiter would put two tables together, and ices and pastry were ordered, and, whereas at the Van Nagel's house, the old woman enjoyed above all the veneer of state which distinguished their life, the life that reminded her of her own great days. She enjoyed herself in a different way amid that little brood of Adeline's, enjoyed all that fair-haired, merry, natural youthfulness, where there were no pretensions whatever to state. She was no longer the worldly grandmama, interested in official dinners and receptions, and the Russian minister, but to the radiant grandmama, who rejoiced at having so many dear little grandchildren, all so young. It was pleasant, she would say to Constance, that Gerrit had married rather late. He was thirty-five when he married, because through that, she said, she had so many young grandchildren. And it was nice, she said, that they were Van Loers, the only little Van Loers, three little sons to keep the name alive. For Carol had no children, and Ernst and Paul were sure never to marry, she thought. Though she did not care much for the name, and reckoned all grandchildren as profit, as so much to the good, she nevertheless felt most for the little Van Loers, for the three little boys especially, for the heirs of the name which she had married. And so, while winter was the time which she enjoyed at the Van Nagels, she devoted her summer at the Hague to Gerrit and Adeline. She helped Adeline, who had to be very careful with a moderate income and such a large troop of little ones and regularly, in the summer, 
The old lady dressed the fair-haired little children, gave them all something, saw that they had pretty clothes to go about in. And Constance also delighted in this simple household, especially since Gerritz had conceived a sort of passion for her. Gerritz and Paul were her brothers now, and Doreen sulked a bit. She did not get on with Constance, she could not tell why. Constance had spoken so very nicely to her that first evening, and Doreen had helped Mamma with all her heart to prepare a cordial welcome for Constance among the brothers and sisters. But their natures were not made to harmonise, and Doreen was now muttering that Constance must always have men about her, and that she got on best with Gerrit and Paul, who both paid court to her after a fashion. Her brothers had never paid court to her, Doreen, after any fashion. Yes, pretty women were always at an advantage, even with their own brothers. All she, Doreen, was good for was to trot about and run errands for the brothers and sisters. And yet it was very strange. But, since Bertha and Adolphine had been out of town, and Doreen went oftener to Adeline's, she would ask of her own accord, Adelincha, I'm going into town this afternoon. Is there anything I can do for you? And when Adeline answered, It's very sweet of you, Doreen, but really, there's nothing I want. Doreen would reply, Well, just think again. I have to go into town, you see. And then, if Adeline said, Well, Doreen, if you're going in any case, would you look in at Schröder's for some pinafores for Adelaide and Müller and Tyser's for shoes? They all want shoes. Doreen would go off at a trot and hurry with her wide-legged, shuffling gait to Schröder's and to Müller and Tyser's, muttering to herself, When it's not Bertha or Adolphine, it's Adeline who manages to make use of me. I think Gerrit's a most companionable brother, said Constance one evening, while Paul sat taking tea with her. Yes, he's a good sort, but he's queer. But why queer, Paul? You're always saying that, and I've never taken any notice of it. Why is Gerrit queerer than Ernst or yourself? Well, Ernst isn't normal either, and I, only just. But Gerrit surely is normal. Perhaps... Perhaps he is, but sometimes I fancy he's not. But what does he do? What is there about him that's strange? asked Constance indignantly, like a true Van Loer, defending her brother as soon as that brother was attacked. Gerrit has been married nine years. Formerly, he was a very lugubrious gentleman. Gerrit's lugubrious? Constance laughed heartily. My dear Paul... Your knowledge of human nature is deserting you. Gerrit, a healthy fellow, strong as a horse, an excellent officer, a jolly brother, a first-rate father with all his fair-haired little children. Gerrit's lugubrious. Where do you get that idea from? Oh, Paul, sometimes from sheer love of paradox you say such very improbable things. You did not know Gerrit as he was, Constance. I knew him as a boy of fourteen, when we used to play in the river at Bautenzorch. Gerrit is still always flying into ecstasies about that time and my little bare feet. Then I knew Gerrit as a cadet, and as a young subaltern twenty years ago, and he was always pleasant and gay. And I remember Gerrit ten years ago, lugubrious and melancholy, 
though everyone has an occasional mood, perhaps he had an unhappy love affair. Why not Gerrit as well as another? I may be wrong, of course. When I see Gerrit in his big chair, with all those children climbing over his legs and chest, he looks to me the very personification of happiness. Oh, Paul, and I too, I too feel happy. I can't tell you, Paul, how happy I am to be back here in The Hague. And now, now you do all care for me a little again. And even Adolphine was very nice lately, before she went away. And I am happy. I am so happy. You have a very gentle, noble, pastoral nature, with a strong atavistic tendency, said Paul, teasing her. Look, here are your husband and your boy back with their bicycles, just like two brothers, an elder and a younger brother. They make a good pair. Now, if you're so happy, don't be jealous and try and remain as pastoral all the evening as you are at this moment, even if your husband should enter the room presently. End of chapter 25